if we're delegating work, if we're giving work to someone else doing the team, are we actually empowering the person at the same time? Are we adding value to that person too? Or is that person going to feel that uh, they're just giving me work because they just really don't like to do that work themselves? And we don't want to look at it or come across in that perspective. So I always look at it as a value add to another person. Welcome back to the Business Behind Your Business podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Paul Sweeney, and joining me again today is Raj Nathu. Raj, welcome back. Thanks, Paul. Nice to be with you again today. <laughs> yes, look, it's been a while and we've been working on bringing this topic to our listeners. Look, we've been talking about how we become more efficient and how we look at delegation and automation and efficiency in our business. And delegation is one, I guess, really can be a trap for a lot of business owners because they think they're delegating, but they're doing it really badly. So yeah. I know that you do a lot in this space and, and you actually train organizations in how to delegate more effectively. So be interested to know your thoughts on delegation. So look, when we talk about delegation, what exactly are we meaning? Well, from my perspective, um, I like to always look at it from a area where if we're delegating work, if we're giving work to someone else doing the team, are we actually empowering that person at the same time? Are we adding value to that person too? Or is that person going to feel that uh, they're just giving me work because they just really don't like to do that work themselves? And we don't want to look at it or come across in that perspective. So I always look at it as a value add to another person. So, so to me, that's delegation. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that sort of contrasts to what I see traditionally in a lot of businesses is where tasks are delegated or I call abdicated to somebody else because the business yeah. owner doesn't want to do the task. Yeah. But in delegating that task or that role, there's not a lot of guidance, there's not a lot of instruction, there's not a lot of uh, um, feedback in terms of what, what are the outcomes we're requiring. And usually because it's been done or dumped, I'll say dumped on the, yeah. on the worker, um, there's this expectation gap and, and the worker really is still trying to work out what they've actually been delegated and the, the, the business owner is um, you know, upset when the results come back and it's not in the format that they expect. Yeah. Uh, you know, firstly, uh, exactly when it comes to small businesses, this is always a big challenge for them because they have very few people. And so the business owner obviously needs more time maybe for strategic thinking or doing something that he feels or she feels is more important. And so what's the next best thing? Let me just delegate this work to John or Peter or Paul, as he or she might do. But uh, without actually giving it any second thought that, okay, are they going to be fully engaged in doing that work when they, when they actually do receive it? Do they feel, oh, well... Uh, I'm actually learning something here, and this is something that it's not part of my normal job description. Or that, you know, here we go again, they're just giving me the stuff that they don't like to do themselves. So today, more and more employees are looking at how am I being empowered, but how am I also developing at a personal level as well in the work that I'm doing? And I think if you just go back a couple of years uh, before COVID, when Gallup ran that poll about employee engagement and the ridiculous or not but crazy rather percentage of workers that are disengaged or not engaged in their work i would say that some of the reason could be that they've been given work that they don't find exciting anymore mm -hmm. uh, do you think possibly the reason why it's not exciting is that 
there's no context given as to how that task fits into the overall, um, I guess, process, yeah. whether that yeah. be sales or accounting or development or, or marketing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, would, uh, I would agree with you. And I'll maybe even go a few steps before that as well. Uh, going to the actual induction of our new worker, if we look at it from a new worker perspective, uh, what a lot of organizations that work small and medium-sized businesses, uh, when I'm doing training with the team, um, one of the questions I do ask them is, so how was your induction? And it's amazing how many times I get the answer of, we don't have one, I never had one, or it was just very brief, half an hour to an hour or at the most. And uh, induction actually needs to happen at two levels. Firstly, at an organizational level where a person is introduced to the culture of the company, the business owners, the founders, the history, who the clients are, who our competitors are, etc., etc. Then we come down to the team level induction, and that's where, where what you just mentioned comes into play. That at a team level, have you inducted this person into the culture of my team as a manager of this team? How I like to run my team? Uh, who are the team members that you're going to be working with and how do they like to work with you? We have this culture of sharing work. I might delegate work to you uh, if I can't manage, but then at the same time, there might be a situation where you're going to ask me to help you and you might delegate work back to me because uh, you overload it, you know. So that kind of culture exists within the team. So delegation is not necessarily only from a uh, hierarchical perspective, but also sideways as well. Mm. So you're looking at, um, I guess, what you've described is the best utilisation of what resources are available. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think, and that comes down to having a lot of these, a lot of businesses now have a flatter structure. structure. Uh, we used to have that classic pyramid where the, the of seniority and, and, and lots of low, lower, less qualified employees, but we've got very yeah. much a flatter structure, particularly in a lot of the professional fields. I know accounting has... Yeah really flattened that that pyramid um yeah. not always um you know to its advantage uh, i think there's some issues with that uh, again but that whole idea of delegation um you know it, it's about working together so yeah and and you mentioned communicating the expectations up front because i think if you communicate the expectations up front when somebody is asked to take on a task which you know, in their opinion, they may be more qualified or overqualified or be below their pay grade. Yeah. If they understand the purpose of how that fits into the whole team, yeah. um, there's going to be, I guess, less less objection or, or, or less um, offence taken that they've been asked to do this task which they thought they'd moved on from. Yeah. So, uh, and it goes back again as a team leader painted the vision of her department or, or, or division to this new person or to the even the existing employees is it a shared mission vision that they have in even at the team level so you obviously you have that at an organizational level but at the team level what's the culture and what's my vision as a team leader or a manager for my team do we have a culture of sharing and not only activities but even knowledge sharing as well all part and parcel of it mm-hmm. so you started to talk about knowledge sharing, and I guess knowledge sharing, and you mentioned the word enrichment, I think, before. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're looking at probably a more junior employee or somebody yeah. with less qualifications, um, how would we delegate as part of that process to, one, help them learn the mm-hmm. skills and yeah. then be able to, be, I guess, be more enriched, more capable yeah. in their role? 
Yeah, there's approaches that you can use, such as what we call job enrichment or job enlargement. So job enrichment is where you get someone to do different types of work during the day or during the whole week so that they don't get bored too quickly or they get experience at different areas of the job across the organization or across your department. Uh, Job enlargement is when you get someone to start a task and take it all the way through from start to end, like in your case with an accounting firm, uh, you might tell the person that I want you to manage this person's account, do their accounting records, do the financial statements for the end of the year. You're responsible for the quarterly bears returns as well. And then you also need to generate the tax return for the end of the year. So that's literally doing everything from A to Z uh, as that person's responsibility in terms of job enlargement. So they literally have that whole flow through from A to Z. With job enrichment, you get people that are getting pockets of experience in different areas. And you can maybe then utilize them in areas where you need them the most uh, to, to generate that efficiencies we, we talked about earlier. But at the same time, that person feels valued because they're adding value across different areas of the business as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with the enrichment, you're sort of providing multiple skilling points. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're basically creating your all-rounder. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So uh, – how would you position that in terms of explaining that to somebody that you're going to delegate to those kinds of tasks? Because I know I've worked in organizations in the past where people have sort of resented that, you know, being asked to do so many different things in a day or so many different kinds of tasks. Um, How do we manage that? Or is it a case of, and I think you've already touched on this, working out how each employee works best? Because we might have somebody that loves that, you know, working on eight different things in a day, yeah. whereas we might have the, the other one who just likes to get stuck in and work on a major project. Yeah. You know, that's where a lot of companies use things like psychometrics and all that to understand the behavioral profiles of different people. And I'm a big proponent of that because I use that myself with my clients as well. Uh, some of them like the motivational map. So we identify what actually motivates people uh, on the basis of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And one of the motivators we might look for in this particular instance is the self-esteem motivator. Is this person self-confident but motivated to learn and also share whatever they've learned with other people? Are they self-motivated? They're always looking to explore new things and learn new ideas or come up with more efficient ways of doing things as well. So that's what we're looking for there. Some of the other things we might look at in terms of uh, the behavioral profile. So maybe like from a DISC perspective, maybe this person comes across as a very stable employee. So these kind of employees like to know very clearly what's expected of them, what time frame the work must be completed in, be given enough time upfront to do the work. So if you're going to go to this person and say, I have a rush job, they're not going to be very happy with that. They don't like to be put under that kind of pressure. Alternatively, if you have a person who's very dynamic in your team, action-oriented, fast thinker, makes decisions very quickly on their feet, that's the kind of person you're going to delegate last-minute jobs to because they can get the work done quickly and they're very flexible. They can switch from one activity to another without much of a problem. But a stable worker or a more of a high C or compliance really worker, they are more introverted in the way they think and do work. 
They like to think about a process that they're going to follow. They like to have a plan of action in their head, even if it's a mental thing or probably write it down on paper that this is my to-do list for the day. And then suddenly you come and you upset that Apple card. They don't really like that. But action-oriented workers, domineering workers, as we call them, or influential workers are extroverted by nature. They are very flexible and they can switch between tasks. So who in your team fits into which profile? And I don't, I'm not saying that we need to box people up into, into those four quadrants. We all a combination of all four of them, but which is our main behavioral style? And if I know which of these are within my team, I can delegate work to the right person. So if I have a rush job, Clients just walked in and say, I need my tax returns or my best done immediately or something like that because, you know, I forgot about it. You know who to call upon. Uh, but if you've got something that requires a lot more thinking and planning and things like that, don't give it to the action guy. He can, he's going to get bored. You give it to the stable person. So goes back again to your recruitment phase when I'm recruiting people. Who am I recruiting? What kind of behavioral profile of person and motivational profile of person am I recruiting as well? Mm. Am I recruiting people that are self-motivated or people that have to be keep on being pushed into and keep on being motivated externally to get something done? Yeah, I think that's very important to identify. And I guess one of the things we're trying to get people to do is think about the role in terms that you need a new hire to perform, but not just the role in terms of how you traditionally think of it, but mm-hmm. what are the outcomes you need that person to be able to deliver? Mm-hmm. So as an example, like the accounting industry's got this cyclical problem of not hiring people at training level and then five years later needing everybody wants that same person. So yeah. we'll come back to looking at training, but looking at you know what are the outcomes that we need to deliver and can we deliver those outcomes in a different way do we use technology do we engage people to maybe do 70 percent of the job and then hand the job over for finalization for somebody more experienced but understanding their role so you know that person that's doing 70 percent, but explaining to them well hang on you're going to get really good at that and in doing so you're going to pick up a lot of understanding about other concepts and then when we introduce new types of work to you you're going to actually pick that up at a faster rate. And down the track, you're going to be the person that is going to be getting the, the handover to finish the job because your skills are going to improve. But I think yeah. that that's a gradual type of process. That's a long game. That's not a short oh, term. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that definitely is. And I think one of the challenges that small businesses face is that the business owner is looking for a mirror image of themselves in their employees, right? Uh, now, Entrepreneurs per se are risk takers. And many times during the day, they were wearing many hats to get things done, as you would know. But the employees that they're hiring may not be able to necessarily be doing that. They like to maybe be confined to a little box where they, I'm a salesperson or I'm an HR person or whatever my job profile is, and don't ask me to do something else. Whereas the entrepreneur, him or herself, is probably all of those verticals at any given time of the day. So this is a challenge where they have, where they might hire people, look, okay, this one's got really good experience or something, but that experience is actually not entrepreneurial, but more maybe corporate. And so they very siloed in some aspects of their thinking as well. Hmm. I don't know if that's something that you've experienced or can relate to. 
Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot of business owners hire mirror images of themselves and then wonder why there's no diversity or no new ideas coming into the business. Or they hire somebody that's the same as them, but has the same problems and same weaknesses. So yeah. um, I think sometimes you've got to step outside and look at what are your alternatives. But yeah, you know, this is where you, you need to get some external guidance as well on who should you be hiring? What kind of person should you be looking for? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, that's a lot of sways about the way from what we were meant to talk about today in terms of delegation. But in a way it does, because if you hire the right type of people, you will know who to delegate work to. Uh, I think that's what it comes down to, really speaking. Yeah. Well, well, okay. So we look at hiring the right person. It makes that process of delegation, I guess, easier um, mm-hmm. because we've got a planned approach to it. Let's, let's say we're in a business where we – Okay, maybe we didn't think about the right kind of people in the roles. Uh, We don't necessarily have the right people in the right seat on the bus. What are some of the things that we could be doing to improve the way that we delegate to those people? One of the first things I would say is taking an interest in people at an individual level. What is it that each employee in my team finds interesting and likes doing? And are these the kind of people that just nine to five, I'm just coming here to do my work and... I'm happy to do that. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that because it just uh, confirms to you that, okay, this is not the person that I need to be delegating challenging work or work outside of their box to, right? Uh, But at least they're getting that work done, what they've been hired for. And then there are people in my team who could be looking for that action, something different, something challenging for them. So taking an interest at your employees or your team members at an individual level is the first thing I would say. Once you've taken an interest, you'll know who you can work with in which way. Mm. And if you go back again to Maslow's Pyramid, as I was uh, alluding to earlier, we find that people that are still trying to fulfill their basic needs from their personal life, from a a personal perspective, that means their survival needs, uh, physiological needs, they are the ones that are – not the kind of people that like to be challenged. They just want to be, we're working there for the paycheck and they just want to do the work that they've been hired for and and they're happy to do that for you. They're not motivated to move higher up in the organization or get promoted or things like that. Those that are further up on the pyramid uh, at at a self-esteem level and self-actualization level, they are the ones that want to be more challenged. They are the ones that want to be used in other areas. How can I best use my experience or my knowledge that I have to make this work or this company more successful or make our work more efficient or things like that. At the self-actualization level, these are the guys that are looking at how can I help someone else be better at their job? And so you might nominate them as your ambassador for all I care to do across your organization or across your team if your team is big enough so that they literally carrying your message for you as a team leader or a business owner. So it all comes down to looking at it from that perspective, and that's the way I like to look at it. Mm-hmm. So we, we still need to take the time to look at you know our employees and what's important to them and how they operate. Yeah. In terms of practically how we go about delegating, do you have any guides or step-by-step rules to help us make this process easier? Not exactly. Not a real step-by-step process. I mean, it comes down to doing a job and a, a proper training needs analysis firstly in your team, understanding what are the strengths and weaknesses in my team, what are the skills that my team, individual team members have 
And then what skills do I actually need in my team? And where are the gaps? And if I have gaps between those two, that is the gaps that I actually need in my team and the the skills that I actually currently have, excuse me, then I either need to bring someone in or I need to train people in my team to close that gaps. Now, once those gaps are closed, I can now, uh, I have more options available on delegating work to more people that are more trained and to get them the experience that they now need to move further up in terms of their personal development. So that's the one way I would look at it. Uh, The other way is, you know, just going back to what I said earlier, really speaking, and that is taking an interest in people at an individual level to understand the psychology uh, in your team. Hmm, hmm, hmm. So I think when we traditionally look at or think about delegation, we're thinking about offloading those tasks that we don't enjoy. (laughs) And I think that's the first issue for us business owners is that we need to think about what are we actually delegating yeah, and um, and maybe those, well, I guess those traditional tasks that we would seek to delegate, maybe we need to look at instead of delegating to somebody and impacting on their um, I guess their work environment and their work enjoyment, is looking at well, can that task actually be automated or, or perhaps what I've seen as well is does that task really need to be done? Um, I've seen some very convoluted processes developed over time. Um, and particularly when new technology has been implemented, I've seen new technology implemented, but it's designed to do the same thing that old technology did. I uh, remember working in an accounting firm where we would, instead of printing a second copy for the file back in the days when, when mm-hmm. everything was printed, printed yeah. um, what we would do is we'd get it and then we'd go and take a photocopy of it. So instead of printing it, you know, you'd select two copies, that's done. You'd actually go get it signed and then manually go and photocopy it and take another five minutes to do the same task. So, um, But that was built on an old-style process. There are many ways we are still doing things based on old technology and old, old systems. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe we need to look at, I think, not just how we delegate and how we understand, but you know how we look at our holistic business processes. Yeah. I think who knows the job better than anyone else in the team? It's actually your team members, the people working under you. And as a team leader or a business owner, are you prepared to take the risk of trusting them and telling them that, look, let's find a better way of doing something and I'll leave you guys. I mean, giving you this project to do as a project and get the team to, to form as a project team on their own without you know, you micromanaging them as a business owner. And let's see if they come up with a better system, a better mousetrap, as we always say. And if they're making a mistake, let them make a mistake. You know, this is where I like Richard Branson, where he says that uh, if you're making a mistake, it's fine. But the more important thing is what did we learn from the mistakes and the failures rather than because the successes, yeah, well, the successes are there and we pop a bottle of champagne or something. But <laughs> from the mistakes... Are we just going to forget about it now? No, there's actually a learning in that that can help us to make the next system a bit better. So if you want to automate things, you want to improve your workflow, the, who better than your actual team to come up with a better workflow? Hmm. They know exactly what's involved, where the uh, pitfalls are along the system and how to overcome each of those uh, barriers, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I guess this is where that that whole concept of trusting your employees and developing yeah. trust, that's really crucial because as a business owner, you've got to learn to let go, but you've got to have the confidence that 
you can trust your employees. Yeah. And that's a gradual process. The trust is not something that we just pile on somebody and when they don't succeed, then you take it off them and say, well, hang on, you failed once, that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Trust is, you know, it's a gradual process that you build it up. It's built up yeah. over time. And I like, I think I mentioned this to you, Dave Ramsey has this description of trust and delegations that you're gradually feeding out more of the rope, giving your employee more of the rope, more slack, more more ability to do stuff. But at the end of the day, as the owner, you're still holding on to that end of the rope. You haven't just thrown the whole thing at them and said, sink or swim. You're still engaged in it, but you've got to learn to let go. Yeah. And I think as we become more of a service-based country, as we already are, more and more people... Or employers don't like to be micromanaged. Uh, so you're going to let go and give them more and more of the rope, but give them that feeling that I'm trusting you, I'm empowering you, but I'm trusting you to use this as a way to make things better for the company, help the company grow, because if the company grows, we all benefit out of it or things like that as well. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Okay, that's great. So Raj, in summing it up, what are some of the key things that you want people to remember about how they can improve delegation in their business? Uh, Like I said, first, I'm going back to this taking an interest because this is something I've noticed a lot recently. And if you look at the great resignation and all those things that we've become aware of in recent articles around the world, one of the big reasons is that I'm just a number in a company. Nobody looks at me as an individual. And uh, and through my training recently, I focused more and more on this aspect uh, to managers and business leaders that... uh, Take an interest in the people that are working with you. How much do you know about them? How much do you know what they like to do? What kind of work do they like to do? What do they like to do outside of work in their personal time? Uh, And that might give you a better idea of who they actually are and how you can use them to the best for the company's benefit and for them as well, because they must also then feel that, gosh, I actually got something out of this today or I learned something out of this today and I feel powerful about it, you know, and they feel proud about it. Obviously, that's not going to happen on a day-to-day basis. But if you do it regularly enough, you're going to actually hold on to those good workers as opposed to what you might end up having that Burger King outlet in the (laughs) USA where everybody literally just walked out because they didn't feel valued. Mm. They were just abused by the manager. So, So take an interest in your workers Find out what motivates them, what drives them, what energizes them. And how can you match that energy to what needs to be done in your department or your team or your organization? And if there's an alignment between those two, then you've got the best recipe ever. All right. Fantastic. Well, once again, Raj, always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, thank you for sharing your insights into delegation and how we can do it better as business owners. Great to have you with us. And I'm sure we'll hear from you again on some other topics. And and just on that, look, if you're listening and you've got a question you would like answered on the podcast, please send us your question at podcast at thebusinessbehindyourbusiness.com. And we'd love to um, answer your question uh, in one of our upcoming episodes. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for the opportunity.